Welcome to the Home of Football podcast. This is Pump Up the Jam, the unofficial podcast of Malden and Tiptree Football Club. On this week's episode, we say farewell to the Ginger Gianluigi Buffon. We've got an interview with former Malden and Tiptree chairman Ron Dangerfield, and we've got an actual goal that we scored at the weekend to look back and savour. I'm your host, Lee, and joining me this week are Giacomo's answer to Anton Deck. It's Richard Buckley and Alan Taylor. Gents, how are you? All right, Lee, you? Yeah, not bad, Jesus. not bad. <laughs> It gets worse, mate. You, gets can, worse. you can hear the barrel being scraped for these intros. Could have just called one of us Freddie Flintoff. One of us plays cricket at least. <laughs> but I'm not ginger, so it don't work. True. I am not. Alan is. Just. Strawberry blonde. Um, busy episode this week. Like I say, we've got, we've got an outgoing and another raft of incomings um, to look over. We've got an interview with, with Chairman Ron, or ex Chairman Ron. Yeah, yeah, uh, plenty of incomings, um, you'll have to run me through because there's far too many for me to keep up to date, um, but yeah, um, one outgoing in, in Tommy, but uh, shame to see him go, but you know, really delighted for him. Um, yeah, good move to Kings Lynn, National League North, five yeah, promotions team, back to the National League. Yeah, you know, I, I think they'll be there, thereabouts come the end, it looks like they've cemented their playoff place more or less, although they won't want to admit that. Um, I think they can just about chase AFC Flight at the top of the league, but it's going to be tight. Um, but yeah, it'd be great to see Tommy do well. He deserves his chance. He's far too good for our level. So um, uh, yeah, re- really good to see him go on to bigger and better things and hope he does well. Yeah. J- Ron, I just want to bring you in. Sorry. Um, you were obviously, you brought Tommy to the club or you helped bring him to the club after that penalty save for Basildon against us. Just what, what did you and Brownie see in him that he's kind of built on and... Well, gone on to, to fulfil now. He was at the Basildon game, so I mean, you know, you, you kept him in that for all of it. And um, I remember us approaching him straight after that, and, um, and obviously they weren't too keen to to release him, and understandably so. Um, <clears throat> and then, um, if I remember rightly, they, they changed manager, um, and we thought, great opportunity to, to kind of have another go, really, because um, he, he was such an outstanding goalkeeper um, for someone so young um, yeah he kind of really fit in with the profile of the sort of players we were trying to you know get in and, and build a team around so um, we thought we'd have another go we approached them again and um, unfortunately enough this time um, you know we, we were fortunate enough to sort of bring him on board and, and I really do believe that since two two and a half years old I was there he's probably one of the best players that we'd signed during that period with regards to the impact he's had and um, and, and the player he turned into, you know, he's just a phenomenal phenomenon. And I agree with Rich, he's, he's just far too good to be mm. at this level. Um, so we would be very, very, very lucky to, to have him for as long as they did. Even when we got him initially, he shouldn't have been playing at that level. Alan, you're, you're a member of the Goalkeepers' Union. Fully uh, paid up. Yeah, yeah, indeed. It's a shame he's gone, but I don't think anyone will fault him for going. As we've all said here, he should be playing a lot higher level than what he has been with us. And when he came back this season, it was a massive plus for us. He definitely kept us in a lot of games. Probably won us at least five, six, seven points on his own. 
you can't really fault his effort. He was always there, always smiling. And as you said, part of the goalkeepers' union, I always back him. So it's good to see him playing for Kingsley and obviously Kingsley at the weekend just leaving off or signing off where he left us really. Yeah. And he got he gets to wear an absolute rascal of a goalkeeper shirt it's as well. Kit, oh, it? Yeah, oh, it's uh, I'd, I'd a bit of a clash with his barnet, but <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that Walker kit. Do you remember? Orange and blue. Was that Simon Walker or, yeah. or, or Walker's in the crisps? That's Walker's crisps, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's Iron Walker. Just about remembering. I'm a bit younger than you, then. before my time, I think. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, so good luck, Tommy. Uh, hopefully, it won't be too long, and we'll we'll see you uh, see you around, or we'll get to a game or something. Um, but yeah, let's move on. We've got, like I say, there was four, four maybe five new signings that came into the club this week. Um, we might as well start off with the uh, new goalkeeper, Noah. What, what one? Because there's been two since we last spoke. Oh well, Rob Bud. Yeah. Obviously goalkeeper coach we haven't mentioned him before we'll talk about him proper later when we talk about uh, he'll get his flowers he'll definitely get his flowers the goalkeeper union was happy that day <laughs> but yeah um, young Noah Phillips uh, lonely from Lane Orton, Lane I believe, 18 years old so hopefully he can uh, step into Tommy's shoes best of luck with that yeah, yeah so that, that's a tough job for anyone I think in this league so the other one, we've got um, Sam Carter midfield. He's played Saturday, decent game. Uh, and we've got, I wish um, I could say I who he was, but I can't. <laughs> sorry if, you, if you turned up, it'd, it'd help. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Someone else from Basildon, uh, Michael uh, Salako. No relation to John. No, but no. has played for us before. Has he? Yeah, mm-hmm. six appearances in 2017-18, something like that. He looked quite lively, to be fair, as well. He, he sort of got about... Greater chances. Exactly. He's not scored for us before. I'll say that much. And then um, our last signing was a striker that you can't really miss because he's an absolute unit. Beast of a striker, Samuel Ayola, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, Ayola. Ayola? Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. But he, he again, we, we need something up front. He, he He's a presence, isn't he? I get, like, obviously, Peter's experimented with throwing Toy Bon late in games. Um, just to kind of create a bit of a nuisance factor and a bit of um, a bit of havoc, I guess, and chaos, and maybe that's that's one of the reasons that he's been brought in. But I don't know anything about him. I, I must admit, but um, hopefully he turns out to be just what we need as we we head into the final six games. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Ron, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. How are you doing? You alright? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Well, Ron, it's been it's, it's been a while, I think, since we saw you. I think the last time uh, we saw you in person was a uh, miserable home game, I think. But you'll probably remember that more than me. Um, obviously, you've moved on from us, moved on to Charlton, moved on to bigger and better things. We're going to go backwards a little bit, really. Um, and Lee set these questions so if they aren't rubbish they'll be both welcoming and knowledgeable (laughs) and he has put them in the diary Um, (laughs) the first one really Ron is about your history in terms of how how you come into football um, and life prior to coming to Maldon and just sort of what your involvement was Um, I think you started out at Brentford is that right? 
Uh, in the pro game, yes. Um, so I went to Brentford 2010, but it was in non-league before then. Um, <coughs> um, so yeah, been involved doing football for 30 plus years or whatever. Um, just decided that's what I wanted to get into. Um, uh, was program project management before that, but you know, it was kind of um, there was always something a bit missing, and uh, and obviously love my football, so I thought try and find a, a pathway into that that allowed me to work in the environment I I, I enjoyed doing in my part my my private time, and and you know make try and do a career of it, um, but you uh, it's usually the right place, right time football, um, uh, which I found out for many many years, so just created my own opportunities, started a team, started to learn how to um, you know, run clubs at a very low level, then got involved with local leagues or start getting more experience in, you know, the more administration side of that aspect of it. And then as time went on, uh, you know, counties asked me to get a bit more involved and then opportunities came about and before you know it I'm working at Brentford Academy, turning their centre of excellence into an academy when the UP three come in and uh, yeah and since then it's just all been how does life compare to from Brentford to Park Drive? It's just, I mean, football generally is, you know, there's not too dissimilar, especially in like in the kind of areas that I work in. Everything else, you're just usually talking different, like you know, a few more zeros on contracts, and but the process of doing it all is the same. You know, the setups and that they're just different, they're just different scales. But generally, you know, it's kind of all the same. Kind of things we was trying to do, things we was trying to implement into at Morgan and Tipsy when it took over and stuff like that. So, from that aspect, it's just about the scalability of it all, really. But generally, the kind of the core of it is pretty similar as far as you know, trying to trying to push on and improve everywhere commercially, uh, you know, player side, everything else. So, really, um, how did the move to Morgan come about? Mm. I wanted to get back into. I'd finished at Brentford um, when they closed the academy. Um, I got asked to go and run the B team, um, but I'd been there six years, and the EP three process took a lot out of me. I really felt like I needed a bit of a break, so I took a little bit of a sabbatical out. But then, as per usual, football you just kind of you're out for a bit, and then you want to get back in. So I started doing some bits. Went back to a club that I'd started, and uh, and um, I started a, a post sixteen education program, football program, college program with them. Um, but I really wanted to get back into the pro game, so I started putting some feelers out. Um, and everybody I know in football, they're always sending you opportunities and bits and pieces. Um, very good friends with John D'Souza, who was the sporting technical director or whatever his title was at Charlton at the time. Colchester. Um, at Colchester, sorry, yeah. <laughs> at Colchester at the time. And, um, and he turned around and told me about... Uh, this kind of a relationship that Colchester had with Morgan Tiptree, um, and uh, turned around and said that they had uh, they was looking at doing some new things. Um, would I go and have a chat with with uh, Browning, who obviously came initially from uh, Colchester, kind of manager? Um, didn't want to because <laughs> I didn't want to do non-league football and to get back in. But he said, look, just go and have a chat with him. We'd already been to a few games. Uh, me and John had come down to see a few games because they was looking at the. Colchester players, so I came down and had a meeting with uh, Brownie, um, and he'd done a number on me. Kind of, uh, he, he, he kind of sold the. Never. Did he scare you as well? No, he didn't. He. Um, it's just he was, just I was just really, I was just really impressed with how kind of impassioned he was about what they was trying to do, 
um, you know, really felt like he was invested in it. He weren't just kind of going through the motions so that he could get to the next step, which he was in, in reality because it was all about furthering, but, you know, really felt like he was invested in doing what he was doing. And I like the idea that there was still that relationship with a, a like professional team. Um, you know, there was a pathway there possibly if that was to happen. So, um, so yeah, I came down, had a good chat with Wayne. Wayne convinced me to take the position on as a general manager. Then had a quick chat with Ed. He kind of bought into it, offered me the position, and that was probably about a week, just over a week before the Newport County game, 2019. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like you, you obviously came into the club then. Obviously, a really busy time with the club. Just how, just how much of a challenge was that coming into the club and starting a new job that week when you've got TV cameras <coughs> and FAs and and. That, that week was probably easier than after, to be fair, because it was a kind of environment I'm, I'm a bit more used to. Um, it was a bit more pro-centric as far as, you know, you, you're used to that kind of environment working with a professional club. I know I was working with the academy, but obviously involved with the first team and on our first team games as well when we was at Brentford. Um, so, you know, the things like, for argument's sake, the first thing I came in and did was the, uh, the safety advisory group. Um, which is a meeting with the police, the local, uh, the local government, like uh, the St John's Ambulance, all these guys to make sure. And it's nothing that clubs at that Morgan Tipsy's level ever have to you know worry about. It, it, so it's kind of all alien to them. Um, so I've got to say it was kind of quite useful for me, but it was also quite useful for Morgan Tipsy at the time because you know they're all trying to wade through this massive big production, which was the BBC coming into town and sort of taking over. And you could easily get taken over, and um, I think I brought a bit of calm almost to it, you know, to the proceedings a bit, which was useful. It was more of a bit of a, a kind of culture shock once we got past the Newport game, and then we're back to, you know, our kind Tuesday of night. Yeah, yeah, with the sort of like you know one man and his dog sort of, um, sort of turning up and, and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, but it was interesting because I never see any of that game. I remember that night quite vividly, and I think I see about five minutes in total. The rest of the time was just buzzing about trying to make sure everything was, you know, running smoothly and everything else. So, um, but I like that kind of introduction in the thing. So, for, for me, it was good. You, you touched on there, Ron. I think it was in the previous question about sort of meeting Wayne for the first time and him him putting a number on you. Um, Wayne's obviously got quite a notorious reputation. He's done very, very well at our club. Obviously, moved on to Colchester when things you know, unfortunately didn't quite work out for him. Um, but as a colleague and also probably as a friend now, just, just, just what kind of a bloke was he like to work with in terms of his drive to succeed and just how he conducted himself day to day? I just think he had um, yeah, the expectations of everybody, um, but he made them quite clear. And I think that's, that's just, you know, that's, that's gold dust. I mean. And one of, the, one of the things I thought he was strong at, which ironically I've heard he's not, that they felt was one of the best things he was when he got to Colchester, was his communication, you know, the way he, he dealt with and communicated with players, the way he got his messages across. He made sure that everybody was quite clear on what the objectives were and how he was going to achieve them, everything else. Uh, he had a really good um, attitude about him. Um, he was always approachable by people, whether it was players or whatever. But at the same time, you know, you knew there was no, there was no shortcuts with him. And I like that kind of thing. You know, it doesn't matter what level you're at. You know, you need to set the bar, and we were setting it quite hard because we were trying to achieve. You know, we were trying to get to step two in in in, in successive seasons, and that was quite a, quite a, you know a bold sort of like objective. Um, so I just loved that kind of attitude about him, and um, uh, the one of the things I liked about him was the fact that he never kind of made it feel like I was stepping into you know step four or 
you know, Division 8 football kind of thing. You know, it was just as important to him at this level as it was when, I'm sure, when he got into League 2. Um, you know, the, the, what he expected and everything was just the same. No shortcuts. So in your first <coughs> season, Ron, um, you know, it's quite well known, the club quite close to promotion, COVID came, FA done, done what they done, decided what they decided, scrapped the league, none avoided it, don't need to go over old ground. But... Can you just let us into a bit of insight as to, you know, one, really how you found out about that decision? Was it a, a thing that was communicated directly to the club? Was it a social media thing? And just how disappointing was it, not only for you, obviously being fairly new to the club and it would have been a great start for your sort of time, but also for Ed, Wayne and, and the whole of people that were involved in, in your operational side? <clears throat> I think I was a bit more objective in it um, as far as viewing it because I wasn't as invested I was as soon as I got in but obviously I hadn't been through everything before you know up to the late Orient game and everything else that was pre my tenure as initially general manager before I then got became chairman um, so I was kind of I thought that was what they was going to do anyway you know I know how the FA the work you know the kind of logic behind bits and pieces and to be fair as much as I know how much it hurts and everything else they were stuck between a proper rock and our place. You know, there was the the issue was that, and this is what they was trying to do. It was always about trying to find um, a solution that everyone was going to be happy with, and there was never going to be a solution that everyone was going to be happy with. They spent far too much time trying to find that without just going, "This is what we was going to do," and I think that's what created a lot of the issues. Um, you got to take, you know, and, and I was able to kind of step away from it and understand why they did it. Not necessarily totally agree with it, but understand how they got to that position. Um, but then I'm I'm pretty I, I can I can move on quite quickly, um, which is you know one of the things that you know I think was a strength of mine is a sense that it happened. So now we've kind of got to deal with what that now looks like, what we did, and everything else. So as soon as we knew the answer, that was it. They kind of we knew it was coming because there was lots of communications coming out about what was maybe going to be going. There was a lot of uh, there were a lot of discussions between the clubs and stuff about what we was going to do, and then um, yeah. And it didn't come to anybody's surprise when it came in initially. So, you know, it wasn't like they kind of just dumped it on us. We kind of had a good idea, really. Um, and it was what it was. Wasn't happy with it. Felt we could have, should have done it. But, again, I could understand if I was mid-table, would I have had the same opinion? If I was bottom of the table, would I have had the same opinion? Probably the answer would be no. Did Wayne take much of a pick-up at that, that moment? Obviously, quite a crucial point. He's obviously put a lot of hard work along with the rest of his team. Did, did, did Wayne take much of a pick-up at that time, did you He's say? He's fuming. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> livid. Uh, but they all, they all were, as I said, because, because uh, and, and you guys were, were, were through it, you'd kind of gone through that journey all the way through, and we were smashing it that year. I mean, it wasn't even close. I mean, you know, we was absolutely smashing it. There wasn't one club that we were speaking to who didn't feel like we was hard done by, by not getting, you know, just automatically promoted and everything else. Um, but it was COVID. I mean, it was, it was one of the things, you know, what do you, what do, you do? It's kind of, you know, so so we just kind of, kind of had to manage that afterwards. And as much as he was fuming afterwards, I think he kind of used that to, to drive him on, um, you know, like for the following season to, 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 to have a go again. And, um, um, yeah, I think um, I think um, it's one of my proudest, proudest moments with regards to those two and a half years because it was it was difficult, it was challenging, but we kind of still we still carried on and it would have been so easy to just go, do you know what, yeah, I've had enough, I'm sick of it, you know, because it was a real kick in the teeth, especially considering where we was and what we was about to achieve. 
But it happened. So, you know, we dust ourselves down and we get on and, and crack again. And, uh, and we really felt that we had a good opportunity to do exactly the same the following season. We had that faith in that. And, um, and that's what we, we, came, we planned to do. Obviously, you said it was, it was difficult, and um, so I think all, all three of us here would say promotion, we would have deserved it that season. Um, but obviously, we didn't get promoted. We've, after that not happening, players leave and that. Um, how did it go about rebuilding the team? Just how difficult was it the following seasons to build up after the cancellation? I think uh, everybody had the issues. We were still in COVID, and it was the, the uncertainty was the killer. I mean, even us, we had to kind of make a decision, and I think we made the right one. But we had to make decisions about whether or not we was taking players on contracts, um, if we was going to honour any or anything else. And we made the decision we wasn't going to take any because of the uncertainty. We didn't know if we was we was gonna we was gonna finish the season out, which in you know hindsight it, it proved correct. But we never knew. It was always a you know it was always a risk. Um, there were some teams that were, were going at it, were going at it hard, you know, putting investment in in the hope that the season would progress. We decided to take it the other way. We didn't want to be left with players who then would we'd be beholden to to, to honour contracts, and then you know we've kind of got no revenue streams coming or anything else. Again, in hindsight, we made the right decision, but at the time we never knew. We we won't pretend you know we kind of like oh yeah, no one knew what was going to go and no one knew what was going to happen with regards to the leagues and everything else. So it was all really just kind of hoping you'd made the right decision and just getting on with it. But the big thing was that, for me, it was always <clears throat> make the decision, then live with it, deliver it. You know, don't kind of try and, you know, just, just commit to what we did, and that's what we did. And that's how we managed. Um, I don't know what we'd have done without the, um, you know, the FA Cups and stuff, which we did, because we just about kind of, you know, done enough to keep our heads above water with all that income that came in, which other clubs had nowhere near, you know, and uh, yeah, it was a challenging time, real challenging time. And I think that see the, the following season, so 2021, we got to the first round of the FA Cup again, I think I'm right in saying we're the only eighth tier side to have done it two years running. I think yeah. so, yeah. Um, how big of an achievement was that? Because there was, there was a massive turnover of players, but how much did the previous season's achievements in... in, in quotation marks help bring in new players for that season to kind of <coughs> go again so you you were kind of starting on, on maybe a more solid base than we would have been if we'd been mid-table well and, it and did because obviously we've now got a reputation and, and rightly so of being a, a team that was going to be challenging um, and it's kind of spurred other people on to kind of maybe raise their game and stuff because they had benchmarks and, and Wayne was still expecting the levels that mm. he was expecting um, but as I said, the, the problem we had was that we weren't offering contracts all of a sudden. So straight away, that's kind of puts a bit on the back foot because we're not being able to get the players who are demanding that, and rightly so, from our clubs. So we've now kind of got to look elsewhere. But we had a great team, though, and I don't think it's, you know, that it can probably be able to brand at top, Aves is his number two, uh, and Flinty helping him out, and Flinty's kind of knowledge of the game and the players and everything else. I mean, I don't know if there's, there's a better guy at this level, you know, with regards to knowing what players are about and everything else um, and it was just a fantastic team you know and, and, and pulling that all together with us then trying to get the the, the like the behind the scenes you know up to it because because when we came in uh, it's not those things that the, 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 on the pitch we was absolutely flying off the pitch we was okay meddling but we was kind of treading water just going through the motions so we had to kind of bring that all together and it was a big it was a big task to do um, 
but everyone was almost like from our side, uh, definitely from me, from Brandy and everyone else, obviously kind of still kind of enraged a bit that we hadn't gone mm. up. So that kind of almost drove us to, to, to make sure that we was kind of really going to make a go for it at the time. And as a result, you know, that, that you, you see Brandy, you know, when you start speaking to players and stuff like that, they just got to buy into him because they just got, you know, they just know they're going to get 100% out of him. Um, and as much as he demands a lot, he's going to give it back. He's not, you know, he's not one for kind of feet up on the table and get people, you know. He's, yeah. So, um, and and that's 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 nearly as as good as being able to offer somebody a written contract. You know, sometimes it's just about getting that. Because as much as a lot of these players are, you know, trying to find revenue streams, you know, a lot they still want to win games. They still want to, you know, win trophies. So. And that's what we did, and um, and unfortunately, you know, season stopped again after that FA Trophy game, and um, it's all over again. So, and I think so coming to the end of your reign, Ron. I think that the next sort of obviously Wayne came back, don't, then we lost him just after Christmas. He went into Colchester, done really well, got given the, the job. Obviously, but he's since lost it. Obviously, <coughs> um, one of your sort of last, I guess, big decisions was to give. Abe's the job until the end of the season and I think it's fair to say when he came in he brought, he brought some new faces in and we went on quite a run just fell short just at the end you know we didn't finish as we would have liked to but um, how big a, or how tough a decision was that to give Abe's the job you know a man that had been there for five six years until the end of the year and he, he took us so so close to scraping our nightly playoff spot I think end. it was hard the conversations that would be in every regards to their replacement was I don't even think there was many people you know like it was just seemed to be the right thing to do. I mean, you know, Abe's there was there was there was continuation for one. You know, his, his everything that he was doing was was similar, um, and, and that. So he was just all about kind of uh, keeping that continuity and stuff like that. But on top of that, the players knew who they were who were they working with. They had a lot of respect for him, a lot of time for him, just as just as we did, um, and it just kept that going. So yeah, and he wasn't too far off. To be fair, you know, it was a bit maybe a bit of luck bit of rubber green and, and things would have been different but you know we nearly did it again um, and just kind of fell off at the end but yeah it was a, it was an easy one I thought I, I, I don't know kind of how you guys felt with it, but it just yeah just just felt like yeah, the I, right I, thing to be yeah so, I don't think there was ever really <clears throat> any any sort of question and I think in a strange way it was it was almost like a new he was like a new voice it was his he was now the number one it was kind of a, a different ideas and Abe could maybe implement things that he wouldn't have been able to under Brownie, and I think that showed because we we picked up we won sort of eleven or twelve on the bounce I think didn't we and then we just kind of tailed or went unbeaten at least and yeah, just kind of tailed. I up think you're end. rightly. I think because Brownie won't mind me saying, but I think coming to the end of his spell at the club, things had got a bit stagnant. But it, it seems results weren't like they always were under Brownie. You know, things yeah. were slightly different on the pitch for whatever reason. Losing Stokesy was a big part of that. Um, and things just I remember speaking to Brownie once away at Barking and he gave me that look in his eyes and I think it might it was either his penultimate game or one of his last games that said he almost was you could see behind him that he was not beaten by the situation he's not that type of character but he was just getting to the ends of his tether with what he was seeing on the pitch for, for whatever reason whether that was players not giving their all and perhaps you know the time was right for him to move on and you know he went into culture just done really well so you could just sort of see that come to the end and then Abe sort of came in gave that fresh bounce and um, as you said we bounced well but just quite couldn't get over the yeah. final hurdle mainly I think due to injuries towards yes, the end of the was, season it was there we, was a lot of changes if you yeah. looked at it in team sheets the last you know it was ridiculous 
there were so many changes and stuff like that, and they were a lot of them were false. So, you know, but you dealt the end you was, and you know, again, I thought we'd done remarkably well to 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 do what we did. I thought we was in a good position to you know kick on again. So, um, I think it was the right call still, and um, yeah, e- even in hindsight, it's just there was no one else. There was no one else. Yeah. Obviously, you moved on in the summer. Um, as we've touched on, probably not the way you wanted to go out with us, just missing out on the playoffs, but you moved on to Charlton. Um, just tell us about your role there, um, how, how that came about, and I, I assume you're enjoying <coughs> it at least. Um, yeah, um, I, look, it's a, it's a different type of job, a different type of environment and everything else, but yeah, it's, um, uh, again, it's the same game, you, you can blame John D'Souza, but also Anthony Hayes' time, so uh, John always, because, so there's a lot of kind of things about, you know, I've always I loved being a Morgan and Tiptree, but always looking to you know just like Wayne to to get on yeah. and 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 try doing what I'm doing at a different level you know high levels, um, so always kind of looking out there and bits and pieces. Uh, John um, uh, John's part of the same groups I am and everything else. On the same day, ironically, he sent me uh, an ad on a job thing that I'd got saying oh like this position was at, at Charlton. A friend of mine, also Anthony Hayes, who was then the under-21s manager there, worked with him at Brentford. He sent me this job advert um, saying that there was a position at Charlton. Um, and uh, and I really liked the sound of it. You know, so I thought, you know, just go for the interview at least and, and see how it goes. And, um, and the rest is history. Met up with the, you know, the owners and everything else and was really impressed with what I was trying to do. And more importantly, what I was going to be doing, um, working there. Um, so although it's club secretary... Um, it can be a bit more involved sometimes. It's you know it's not just about uh, doing the administration side of it and everything else. And uh, yeah, really liked it. Really, so that was it. And then they, they offered me a position, and, and the rest is history. So now they're almost a season now, and yeah, and, and, and love it. Really enjoy it. Do miss it though. I won't lie. It's, it's different challenges. Do miss being involved at uh, at like non-league level. And you just touched on non-league level there, Ron. I think. One of the probably big differences between the pro game and the non-league game is the, the lifeblood of teams, which centres around volunteers. Um, obviously, they were quite helpful to you. Um, we all know what happened sort of a month before Christmas when we devastatingly lost Dazza, a guy that you were really close to. Still got memories now of current Mrs G making you both a sandwich and you, you eating it. I'll say it just after a fry-up, which will always live long in my memory. And I know it certainly made Dazza laugh. But... Um, in particularly Dazza, just how helpful were those volunteers to you? Know coming into a club uh, that you obviously didn't know, um, but yeah, just typically around Dazza, just how, how helpful was he as a person as well as the other volunteers? It's all about, I mean, look, you know, you, you guys know this more than anyone, but I, I can value you guys enough and all the volunteers that helped out of us. But Dazza was a different breed. He was, um, you know, he was kind of. I remember meeting him when we were selling the tickets at uh, the Newport game, actually. So probably about two or three days into me getting involved. And we've turned up. Uh, it was me, uh, Richard, uh, Roger, sorry, and um, and Ed. Um, and he just turned up just because he was free. He was available, and he knew we had to do stuff. Didn't get asked or anything else. He was just there to help out. And and that was that was Daz all over. Remember the first time I met him, um, and he was, he was talking to me initially, and I thought, you know, he's an interesting guy. You know, he kind of sounds like a bit like he's just got off the, you know, the. the <laughs> um, uh, but but after a couple of minutes, we proper it off, and he was uh, yeah uh, we yeah and we just proper it off, and then after that, we probably spoke to each other you know at least once a day um, you know just, just not about anything, but he was always there, he was always there, and um, 
um, one of the like the person that, that would always get in for games. I mean, I used to be there around about three hours or just before, like on most match days. And he was and at the door waiting for nine you. Nine out of ten times. <laughs> nine out of ten times, he was. You know, he was just a he was just a different level fella um, in in many many ways. As were all the volunteers, you know. But um, yeah, he was he was he was something else. He was a he was a top top fella, and uh, I miss him miss him a lot. Do you have any um, favourite memories of Dazzle or any anything that sticks out in particular? Um, well, obviously the the Wolverham Abbey will always forever uh, <laughs> stick, stick in the memory, um, just because I could even hear him from moaning <laughs> about from from my position in the uh, in the uh, the visiting official box, um, and I just remember we were sitting there just doing this noise on the right hand side to me. Um, and then he's come tracing through the gate. He did look happy, and then obviously found out a little later about the, the big bucket of water or whatever it was. He stuck his foot in. Um, but um, yeah, there was that. There was the constant bloody daily messages and, and tweets about his trucking. Oh, all sorts of stuff that he sent me. Um, or if West Ham scored a goal, just a just a little <laughs> little message come through and stuff like that. Um, Those. Um, those alternative commentaries they do on Twitter yes. as well I see those pop up and I, I, I don't see one of those pop up without thinking no. about him now it's no um, a lot I mean it, it, just to see little things like um, you know when we, we, we ended up getting my brother-in-law to go around here to help sort his, uh, his back door his back door that's not a euphemism so um, so yeah when we had to get that bit so there's, there's, there's too many mirror but it's just always he was a, a one of the reasons I liked Dazza so much is just because he always, he, although in his own special way, but he was always positive, um, <laughs> and I and I love and I love that. I love I love people who are positive. I love people that, and I'm not talking about optimistic or unrealistic, but I like people who can just kind of you know try and see good things out of most things. And as much as you know, Dazzy used to be a bit dry and everything else. Sometimes he always was. You know, he was always he was always optimistic, always positive just let it go have a beer after and then it was done you know and um, and there's there's not enough people like that you know they're just too um, to, to get caught up in the moment and stuff and he, and he didn't care generally you know about them kind of things and I like that kind of attitude you know life's too short as you know we're talking about it. it's, it's too short and he kind of lived it like that and I love that you know so yeah uh, as much as he was a fantastic help to me as a volunteer and that but even more importantly just as a as a good mate and everything else, I'm just glad he's a you know he's part of my life for however short he was. So yeah, I couldn't think of a better way to finish that. Ron, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So we've got two matches to look back on uh, from the last time we were with you. Um, Richard um, wasn't at any of these, so he won't be saying much during this uh, this little segment. But I'm we, sure he's still mine. We, <laughs> I'm good at that. You'll you'll hear him. Don't worry. Um, so we start with Stowmarket. That was away last Saturday. Rockbard uh, was man the match right here. He was in my in my books. Um, a one nil <laughs> loss. Shut up. <laughs> a one nil loss. Um, but Alan, yeah, like Richards alluded to, Rob kind of kept that score respectable. Yeah, there was at one point when he made a double save, I think Lee almost messed his pants. <laughs> Again, he's good at that. Other than that, a 1-0 loss on a pitch that I liken to Aintree on Derby Day just completely churning up left, right and centre. And as it usually be the case, an old face turning up and horning us. 
And that old face was? Mr. Harvey Sayer. Mr. Harvey Sayer, cutting in on his left. Yeah, because obviously we had no idea he was going to do yeah, that. No right. idea about that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was... Did we have any chance to score? Did we test the keeper or not? We, we did have a few shots. Um, Coombsy hit a volley that... Landed actually, in Ipswich. No, it actually went on target. <laughs> was it did... a fastback? Don't do it dirty like that. I don't know. I don't. I don't think you could say we didn't create a clear cut. We didn't make the goalkeeper there, work. There was a lot of. They were straight at him, huffing and puffing, but yeah. didn't bow the house down. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of decent build up play, especially down the road with um, T and Harry. Yeah, ball, I, the ball going into the box, but it's just every single time the ball in the box, it just missed one of our players. He did toy been there for his big bonnet on the end of it. Yeah, we just. It, it's just it's just lucky breaks, isn't it? We don't seem to get those those breaks in the box. But then on the other hand, we don't react well to second balls. No, unfortunately not. I did have to question decision making. I think it was the last kick of the game, free kick thirty yards out. Harry decided to shoot and blaze over the bar when it's perfect opportunity just to lump it in the box. But that is kind of decision making that needs to be better. Mm. And from there, we went into a big, what well, I would call, six-pointer. Just yeah. want to shout out, the, the, one of the positives to come out of the Stone Market game was seeing Dylan. Dylan Logan, he's, on his, way, he's on his way no, back from no, injury now. He was, he was walking freely. He's got a I'll bet you 50 quid he's not a Stone Market next year. No? No, don't think so. Okay. Can, we, can, can we also include their um, announcer trying to sing happy birthday? Was he better than Lee? Well, it doesn't take a lot, actually. <laughs> well, no, he didn't call me glamorous, so clearly not. <laughs> um, so we... We move on to uh, to Coggeshall. Uh, that was this past Saturday, back at the home of football. Um, this was a game we should have won, isn't it? Yeah. We should have. We should have battered. We should. We should have battered them. Very them. What? And, just and through chances created, or as the table would suggest, or just on, on chances created. I, I, really? I think. I think. I think Tom Middlehurst, former Morden keeper, he was man of the match by a mile. Green giant. He made. He made about six or seven really decent saves, and there was a, a double save on the line uh, from. I can't think of who they were from now, but um, there's a really good, there's a really good match report on the Morden Simpsbury website that will tell you. Um, written by Tintin, wasn't it? He, um, <laughs> He's a good journalist. He um, <laughs> he, he, he he kept he kept them in the game. Um, I think, and again, it's just it's just our, our lack of, of cutting edge. I think has, has cost us. And then at the other end, it's a sloppy goal. Uh, Kitambo, his first touch of the game, he'd been yeah, on for I've about. Yeah, I've seen it online. Well, been well, on one of the only seconds. times that our centre backs failed to deal with the ball over the top, they let it bounce and mm. cost us. Another goal for Finners, though. If he carries on, he's going to get player of the year. Yeah, well, I think I think he's made space on his mantelpiece for a golden boot. Um, yeah, he's, he's not. He's got to get three more to beat Kempi. He's not. Well, he's. he's Got a chance, is not he? He's got three. Kempy's got five. So yeah. He's got six. But Harvey's got five as well. So we'll send the golden boot back to Colchester, maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll, maybe we'll cut it in half. Part to Colchester, part to Swiss. Can we do that? <laughs> do you know anyone who will deliver it? No, I don't. No, I'm always on strike, mate. <laughs> but um, yeah, two two points dropped. I think if we'd won that, we would probably be just about safe. Bar. Bar the shouting, um, the fat lady wouldn't be singing, but she'd be warming up at least. Do you, do you um, classify as a lady uh, these days? <laughs> There's no need for that. There's no need for that. The red dress you're wearing suggests otherwise. But I thought that was a kill. <laughs> I don't lift it up, Lee. 
But um, with with that draw, we're, we're eight points clear of the bottom four. But Tilbury have got... Behave, Richard. Tilbury have got three very winnable games, potentially. And Whitton have got two games in hand. Yeah. And so I think Coggeshaw have got a few games in hand. Yeah, so I think Coggeshaw are waiting on an appeal. It could be a crunch from... game last game of the season, couldn't it? We've got Whitton, haven't we? Yeah. yeah, hopefully we should be out of it by then. But yeah. We've got Sudbury, these could correct if I'm wrong, Sudbury, Galston, Wroxham, Lowestoft, I'm missing one. Holbridge. Holbridge and Whitton. And Whitton, so... It's a difficult fixture. Hopefully, by the next time we speak in two weeks, we might be safe. Um, do you want to move on to the match previews then? <laughs> <laughs> then why not? Well, next week, we're at home again. To lower stuff. Who, to be fair, when we played them in August, I think it was August, it feels like last time ago, we played them off the pitch, should have beat them, lost 2-1, and they'd lost every game, they'd won every game they'd played then, and we would walked away or... Drove back away on the on the on the love bus all the way back to Costa del Molden, thinking, "How have we not won that game?" And we've got nothing to show for it. But um, hopefully, it's a bit different. But they've cemented their playoff place, so they're going to be a, a tough test. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. I might actually turn up. Might not. Ooh, that'd be nice. If you do turn up, mate, um, bring some Easter eggs because we're doing an Easter egg collection. Yeah, Mark Mark Ribbit has given me a tenner, so I've got to buy him some eggs. I thought I saw some moths flying about. That's just that's just Mark Ribbit generally. <laughs> um, April Fool's Day, we're away to Roxham. Roys of Roxham, do you know about Roys of Roxham? Yes. I think yes, I haven't mentioned that before. Roys of Roxham. Ron will know about Roys of Roxham. Love Roys of Roxham. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's not forget about the coach on that day. Yes. Yeah, coach trip, £10 for JFA, JFA members. members. £15 for non-JFA members. So it pays to sign up to the JFA, basically. Slide into my DMs to get your spot. There you go. You might go, you might, you might take a while to reply to them, but... Um, yeah, that that that'll be. Rock Roxham have kind of they had a rough start to the season. They they've, they've picked really, up they've well, really picked up and they're they're safe as hell. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're above they're us well on the play. table. Which whoever's above us, predominantly they're safe. So I don't think they've got to worry about us too much. But hopefully we don't have a good record at Trafford Park either. By the way, so um, brilliant. It slopes a bit. It's a bit miserable. You want the sun to be out, otherwise it will be cold. But sounds like Saturday. There is a good high street uh, with a decent <coughs> hog row shop which I will be at come two o'clock if you can't find me. I mean, that's reason Nothing to with you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's reason to get the coach alone, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Um, right, Alan, you've got some plugs for the JFA to make. I do. We, we just had a, had a, had a Gary walk-in with his fake tan. Mr. Mr. Rain has appeared, fresh off the uh, plane from Jamaica. I'm all right. Although he has left yes. the brownies in Jamaica, so that's all right. Just. <laughs> I don't yeah. think he could get them through yeah. customs. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so one more plug in again, Lee? Uh, uh, Easter eggs. Easter eggs, yeah. So Easter egg collection is happening again on Saturday. Bye for the door shut. Thank you very much, Gary. Um, yeah, Easter egg collection again on Saturday. Uh, make sure you bring them. Tony and Gary will be outside the gates waiting for them again, I believe. And for Homestar and Molden Food Pantry. Food Pantry, yes. Yeah, I think that was about exactly. 100, 150 exactly. collected. It's cracking, that. So far. Really excited. That's, that's no yoga. Again, worse, that's mate. terrible. That's all I've got. That's right, mate. Is that a promise? We've got plenty more. Um, as we said, we have coach trips for Roxham and Galston on the 1st of April and the 15th of April. Uh, come and get your uh, seats. Obviously, speak to me. Alan or Richard, yeah. we will put your names down. 
And yeah, uh, last one gets a seat next to Bob the Hat, so uh, you best be quick. Or you. Could be worse. Could be you. <laughs> you can tell that this time. Isn't the name Graham? <laughs> yeah, Graham. Yeah. Right, right, Lily. I think that's that'll is do that it for this week, yeah. Um, When's the next one? Next one is. Two weeks today. Um, two weeks today, right. The Don't something know. of April. Mark that, that one in your diary. That'll do. It's actually the 3rd of April. 3rd of April. Um, thanks, Rich. Um, so, yeah. there. Please like and subscribe. Yeah, we are on the Twitters. Uh, pump up the jam, mate. Um, that, that'll do it. Big thanks to Ron for joining us. Thank you, Ron. And uh, we will see you in a couple of weeks' time. The jam.